Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. What's going on? Jermaine Johnson. Tune in to Turn On The Jets podcast. Hey, this is Vinny Pasquantino of the Kansas City Royals. Make sure you tune into the Turn On The Jets podcast. Everybody, welcome back to the Turn the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson at Will Paul Eleven on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Middle of June here with OTAs and all that thing. All that stuff has been wrapped up now. Jets are uh, Jets are off for the next about 35, 40 days here. So we'll get into the fun, uh, fun summer months, uh, end of June, beginning of July, where people are itching for some football. Subway series this week. We get to watch two putrid baseball teams without their best players. Um, so lots of exciting news there. Even more exciting, Ian O'Connor, um, New York Times bestseller, books with Coach K, Derek Jeter, uh, you know, the, the list goes on and on. Bill Belichick, uh, and, you know, goes on and on there. Um, Ian, appreciate you taking some time. Be with you, Will. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. good. I'm, uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for uh, to get a little break here. And then we have to have live uh, OTA stats being tweeted and practices and shorts and everything like that. Um, obviously, you know, I, we kind of were talking a little bit out off air, writing a book on, on Rogers here. And um, it's pretty crazy, you know, coming to New York. And I, I think a lot of people didn't think it would really happen. It's happened. I, what have, I guess, what have you made of this whole saga the last uh, six or seven weeks? Are you shocked that we're talking about Aaron Rodgers, the Jets quarterback? Very surprised that it actually happened. And uh, it, it reminds me a little bit, this is going to sound funny, but when Tim Tebow joined the Jets, it was a, there was a mania about that. And of course, the big difference is Aaron Rodgers is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Tim Tebow is the opposite of that. <laughs> it might be, unfortunately, one of the worst quarterbacks of all time as far as throwing the football. And so it, this is a different deal. This is a, a guy who is going to turn 40 in December, obviously, and is an all-time great. And the question is, can the Jets protect him? If they can protect him with that offensive line, just watching him in OTAs, even with a bad calf, his arm strength is still very much there. I, I watched him recently stand on the 50 at one of the practice fields in Florham Park, and he had someone in the back of the end zone catch. He threw the ball 60 yards or close to it in the air without even stepping into it because he had the calf and he was just being careful. And he, he clearly has plenty of zip on the ball still. So, Garrett Wilson is going to be a just a just a tremendous player in this league for a long time. So just to see the two of them together for, I believe, at least two years, I think Rodgers, no question, will play at least a second year, is going to be a lot of fun for Jets fans to watch that combination. But I'm a little worried about the schedule uh, in year one here. Those first 10 or so games just looks really forbidding, but... But I think it's going to be the most fascinating story, Will, in the entire NFL this year, the New York Jets and how they perform. And it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, look, I'm excited for it. I think the Jets have never really had a player like Rodgers. I know he can, everyone can debate that, Namath and even Favre. Like, I think Rodgers is in a different class. 
Um, you know, you mentioned a, you know, you tweet Rogers arm strength looks just like, you know, you just mentioned it just like it did. It's done for a long time. You watch him on tape. It, there's nothing that's really like changed in his, maybe he's a little less elusive in the running game and, you know, kind of scrambling a little bit, but um, if you protect him and you have a good running game and defense, they should be, you know, they should be in a very good spot. You mentioned Garrett Wilson. Um, obviously Brees Hall is another guy who, you're looking at now and it's kind of coming back the videos are surfacing obviously on uh the last week or so him moving around how do he look to you out uh, you know out there kind of working out a little bit and do you think he's going to be ready week, week one it kind of feels like maybe don't push him but at the same time he's such a dynamic threat even the thought of him in the game and i feel like a defense would have to prepare for i my, my guess is he would be ready for for week one and, and it, it's hard to really tell a lot in otas uh it's obviously a little bit easier in, in training camp uh when you see guys in contact situations but i think that it would be really important to have him ready uh, for week one and i think that uh Gilbert wilson is the is really the player that just stands out to me every time i watch the the jets and I think if you really look at the history of not only the Jets, the Giants, too, he, he has a chance to be the best receiver ever in New York. And, and if you look at it, I guess the Jets all time leading receivers or best receivers would be Don Maynard, Altoon, Wesley Walker. Then you start getting to Corbett and, and Keyshawn Johnson. And, and I think Garrett Wilson could certainly be in that class, if not at the top of that class. And then with the Giants, you would say probably Homer Jones, Amani Toomer. OBJ, he wasn't there long enough, but I think Wilson can be as good, if not better than those guys. I think he's a special player. And Aaron Rodgers said the other day that every practice he does something where you look at, he's looking at Hackett, who's looking at someone else and they're all saying, wow. And so that's the guy. And, and to, to consider that he had what, 1100 yards last year as a rookie with what the Jets were playing at quarterback and now to have a first ballot Hall of Famer there, what is that going to do to Garrett Wilson, assuming he stays healthy? And, and that's going to be a devastating, or it should be a devastating combination. Again, it comes down to the offensive line giving Rodgers time. And he doesn't need that much time because he has that lightning quick release. And so he'll get it out quickly. And uh, I hate to keep going back to this, and we're still early here in the program, but that schedule, the first 10 games, might worry me more than the offensive line. And I just think if the, the Jets have to find a way to go five and five, maybe even four and six will do it because I think the final seven games looks to me like they can win five or six of those. So it's, it's going to be uh, interesting to see if they can just survive that early stretch of games, which look ominous. And if they can, then I think they will be in good shape. Yeah. Look, I'm on the same page. You, I, I've said it a million times on this show and I will continue to say it. If you can find a way to that bye week at four and I believe you know, four and three or three, you know, even around 500 around that bye post Giants or right before the Giants game, uh, I guess whatever they have six games, seven games before that, you can find a way to four and three or five and two. You are going to be in a really good spot if you drop to, you know, the three and the three and four, you know, two and five, things like that. You're kind of just you don't want to dig yourself a hole early on. I think we'll know a lot about that's why I think week one for the Jets is. Week one's a sham and we all know it. And every, every year there's some team that wins in week one that has no business winning. We see it every year. And then, uh, you know, the, the Saints beat the Packers two years ago by like a thousand points. And then the Packers won 13 in the next 15 games. Everyone forgot about it or 
don't know if you remember the, that Bucks. The Saints somehow always are involved. That random Bucks team that was like, tanking, and Ryan Fitzpatrick went into New Orleans and threw for a thousand yards um, in classic Fitzpatrick fashion. Obviously, imploded uh, later on during the year. But if they can win Week One, your schedule look all of a sudden. You have New England, who I don't think is very good. They're going to be very good this year in Week Three at home. You have Dallas, who I don't know. Dallas, you know, they look good sometimes. Other weeks they don't look so good. So you're just in a much better spot. That's why Week One to be so important. What do you make, you know, you mentioned the schedule. What do you make of this division? Because, you know, I know you, I know you follow baseball. I follow baseball, obviously, really closely. The least this year is an absolute juggernaut, right? Like the Red Sox are a thousand games back in first place, and they're a 500 baseball team. The AFC East feels like the Patriots are the worst team in the division, at least on paper. And, like, you can make a pretty good argument they can make the playoffs. So what do you make of this division? Is that part of the reason I feel like the expectations may be tempered uh, on the Jets a little bit? I think, uh, was it Bill Barnwell who picked the Jets to finish last in, yeah. the, in the division? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was, a, that, was a, that was a little viral clip. Jets fans weren't too happy. Yeah. No, but Bill's a very smart guy, yeah. and, and it, it's not out of the question because the division is tough. And so if the weakest team is a team coached by Bill Belichick, arguably the greatest coach of all time, yeah, that's a problem. And so I, I don't think the Jets will finish last in the division. I, I have them finishing second, I think. My prediction right now is 10 and seven, finish second, get a wild card, win a wild card round playoff game, losing the divisional round at Kansas City or Cincinnati. And that's a hell of a season given the schedule and it's year one with Rodgers. And then come back in year two where you're one of the Super Bowl favorites. And so I, I, that's the way I look at it right now. Who knows? But Miami is, is a good team, not a great team. Buffalo is a very good team. I, I find it hard to believe the Jets will take the division from Buffalo in the first year with Aaron Rodgers. It's not out of the question, but I would say that's a bit of a reach. I, I have them finishing second. I, I think it is a, a very tough division. I think Miami's a team they can beat. I think they now have the edge, uh, decisive edge at quarterback there. Same thing with New England. They certainly have a better roster and are better at quarterback than New England. New England has a big advantage at head coach, I like Robert Sala. Uh, he's, from all accounts, and just from dealing with him a little bit, he he certainly seems like a good guy. And I think he was a very good coach. Is he a very good head coach? I think we're going to find out this year. He obviously made a good hire in, in Nathaniel Hackett because without that hire, Aaron Rodgers is not your quarterback. So that was a, a smart thing to do. I think the Jets' execution of the whole Rodgers plan – has to be praised because they identified their target and they put together a plan, including that five hour meeting at his home in Malibu and they won him over. And so I, I think the, the jets from Woody Johnson all the way on, on down deserve a lot of credit for identifying who they wanted and going out and finding a way to get it done. Obviously you didn't want them to have to give up essentially a first round pick to do that next year, the conditional pick, but they needed to get that asset in the building. They needed to fix the quarterback problem. As you know, quarterback is 75, 80% of the sport. And now they fixed it and they just have to keep him upright and healthy to give themselves a legitimate shot. Yeah. No, I was going to ask you just quickly segue and I'll kind of uh, comment on that, but I know you saw Zach Wilson a little bit. I've crushed Zach on the show. It's not a personal thing. I just, every every the, the film the numbers the advanced numbers it's all really rough 
he seems like a revived guy from the press conference. He's saying a little bit more of the right things, the mentality of, oh, I just want to develop. That said, like, there were some OTA practices where people were out and they're like, yeah, I don't know, he looked pretty bad. Other ones, he looked good, and I'm not going to overreact one way or another there. Are you worried at all that backup quarterback could be a problem? Because I feel like the Jets haven't had, they've had, they haven't had a guy play over, a quarterback play over 13 starts in almost seven or eight years now. It's been an issue. I know the 65% the conditional pick. Rodgers is always durable. So if if that happens, he gets hurt. That'd be a disaster, obviously. But are you like worried in any way, shape, or form that we could end up if we have to watch Zach Wilson again this year, their season could create or similar to what happened last year? I'm always worried, Will, about backup quarterbacks. I think it's the biggest drop-off in sports when you go from the starter in this league to the backup. It just it, it makes football sometimes unwatchable. It really does. And so that's why all these rules are in place to protect the quarterback because the NFL has to protect their product and make it watchable. And so I, I think Zach Wilson as a backup is better than a fair amount of backups in the NFL. I would think he has said the right things. And when I was watching, he looked good sometimes, not so good others. And he, I don't know, the other day in the press conference, I was in the room and he looked a little lighter to me last year. He bulked up some, and I don't know if he trimmed down a little bit. Uh, he's athletic and he can make some plays with his feet. I think there's some pressure now taken off of him. And if he gets a chance to play, unfortunately, if Rogers gets hurt, I would think there'd be a little less of a burden on him. So I'm not as concerned as I would be if I had a backup quarterback, like say the Giants had two years ago in Mike Glennon, who couldn't play at all and couldn't play a lick, and you knew that in advance. Zach Wilson has physical and athletic talent. And so that puts him ahead of a lot of backup quarterbacks who don't have those qualities. So that that to me is is not my biggest uh, concern, right? I guess it it just is keeping Rodgers healthy in general, not really in the context of Zach as the backup. And and one good thing on that front is Rodgers hasn't missed a start, what, in five years? He's been pretty durable over the course of his career. And that is the, uh, as we all know, the, the most important ability is availability and particularly at that position. So if Rodgers continues along that path, the Jets should be in, in pretty good position. I know, obviously, you know, being in New York, doing Giants stuff, doing Jets stuff, obviously it's pretty cool to get to play this year. Two-part question. One, are you surprised at all? It's kind of just a normal 1 p.m. middle of the season game. I, I thought we'd maybe get both teams, you know, Giants coming off a playoff run. You know, well, not playoff run. They won one game against the putrid Vikings team. But, you know, Giants are supposed to be pretty good. The Jets are supposed to be pretty good. I thought we'd get kind of more of a, a little more spice to it. You know, I'm just a little – I was a little bit – Shocked, I guess, of the schedule. Kind of random week eight game at one o'clock on uh, on CBS or, or Fox, and then two part. I guess, who do you expect more from this year? Because I know you mentioned kind of Jets expectations. I think those are very much fair and kind of similar, right in line with kind of where I'm at. Um, I don't. I expect the Giants to take a bit of a drop. Just I think their schedule is. I mean, we talked about the Jets schedule. The Giants schedule is brutal. Do you think the Jets or Giants end up being better just because I feel like both teams have potential to be really good, but there's some serious questions, obviously, on both sides. As far as that game being a one o'clock Sunday game, the Jets have so many primetime games that I, I, <laughs> the league. One thing I've learned, I learned as long ago, Will, in the 2000 World Series Mets Yankees, that the rest of the country isn't into this New York, New York thing. Yeah. The rest of the country did not love that World Series. We yeah. loved it here. 
And it unfortunately lasted five games and, and the Yankees pretty much controlled it. But I think the, the Jets Giants thing is, I don't know, I guess the rest of the country is more fascinated in the uh, Kansas City game, which I actually, and it's interesting that before the bye week, the Jets are playing both Super Bowl teams from last year. But I was surprised that the league didn't make Kansas City Jets the Thursday night season opener. I thought that was the best available season opener on Thursday night to kick off the 2023 season around the league was Mahomes against Rogers in uh, Rogers new building, but that didn't happen. So uh, no, I'm not, I'm not surprised just given the fact and traveling around, like I have for 37 years in this business and knowing the way the rest of the country sometimes looks at New York I'm not terribly surprised that that's a a one o'clock Sunday game. And I think New York market's going to love that because most fans, that's their time to watch football. That's when they want games, one o'clock on Sunday. As far as which team I expect more from, I'm going to be optimistic here for the sake of Jets fans. And, And I'm on record. I wrote a column for the New York Post last year saying, I want the Jets to win the Super Bowl because I've never covered that. And you're not allowed to root for, as, as a sports journalist, you're not really allowed to root for people or individual athletes or teams, but you are allowed to root for the best available story. And to me, since I've never seen it, and I was four years old when the Jets won the Super Bowl, uh, their one and only time, and I, I don't really remember anything about it. I think I was in my uncle's house and the game was on and I was four years old. And uh, so I don't really have Broadway Joe memories so I would love to be there and cover a Jets Super Bowl victory because it would be such a great story. And of course, Aaron Rodgers would be a big part of that now. So I'll, I'll go ahead and say that uh, the Jets will have the the better season. And uh, I just got, just get through that first stretch of games and be around 500. And I, and I do think they'll be in, in good shape. And I, I think it's possible the Giants take a half step back. Last year was a honeymoon with the new GM and the new head coach, maybe a little bit back to uh, reality uh, this year. It's not an overly talented roster, maybe a little bad vibes coming out of this Saquon Barkley contract thing. So I, I could see the Giants maybe at eight and nine, nine and eight, maybe squeaking into the tournament. But I think I think uh, Jets fans, I wouldn't I wouldn't count on winning the division just in the playoffs i think a successful year for the jets is making the playoffs and maybe winning a a first round game and asking for more than that i think might be asking for too much yeah i think we'll know pretty early on are we gonna get if we get you know you we you know get to cover get to see you know you see a version of 2020 2021 rogers which is a historically great player i mean the guy's won the mvp four times he got robbed twice he never should have lost to matt ryan and then mvp i'll go down my grave saying that um you know if we get some version, 80% of what Rodgers looked like 12 months ago, the Jets now have a top three quarterback in the league. And all of a sudden now the expectations may change right now. You're going, you know, if we have a guy that can be better than Josh Allen, right. Cause that's what he was two years ago. Now your expectations change. If he looks like Rodgers more of last year where he's a good player and the team's really good and they win 10 or 11 games, that should be the expectation. They cannot miss the playoffs. They've all bet their jobs on it. Uh, like, you know, Douglas and, and Salah are not going to make it, uh, you know, to 24 if uh, they go 7 and 10 again and, you know, kind of crater a little bit. I want to ask you, you wrote a book on Belichick. I want to ask you 
two questions, two baseball slash basketball questions, but you wrote a book on Belichick. The Belichick Jets thing is one of those, like every, you know, I'm close to Bob Glaber. I ask him about it every single time I see him. I'm like, I don't get it. Like it's, I get it. I understand all that what happened. I understand all the optics. The fact that we're still June 12th of 2023, still talking about Bill Belichick's hatred of the Jets to me feels like, I don't know if it's overblown. I don't know if it's just like, it's just a bit at this point, but the fact in the draft, like they potentially took less just to screw the Jets over to me. is just like, what, what, what are we doing here? Why is this still a story every year? I, I have a hard time understanding why he hates the Jets. The Jets should hate him, right? It's it not just because of his dominance, over the better part of two decades, it's also, you walked out on the Jets. The Jets didn't fire you. They gave you the job. They wanted you to stay. You walked out after 24 hours. Like, shouldn't the Jets hate you? And yet there was a period of time where Belichick wouldn't even say the word Jets. There was that one interview he gave where he was rattling off teams he's worked for, and he said that, and I also worked for another team. He wouldn't say the word Jets. So it's a strange, strange thing. And I, I guess in demanding the compensation they did from the Patriots when they when they made the deal to allow Belichick to coach in New England, I don't know if he harbors something from that. He has repaired most of his relationship with Parcells. They didn't speak for uh, a number of years. Uh, Parcells obviously was his boss with the Jets, and Parcells didn't treat him kindly when they were together with the Jets and their problems really result more from that than anything that happened when they were together with the Giants. It's like Belichick quote unquote failed as head coach in Cleveland. And now Parcells had that over him when he came back and worked for big bill with the Jets. And I think, and I have this in my book, a number of instances where players said Parcells really embarrassed Belichick in front of them with some of the things he said, but Parcells doesn't work for the Jets anymore and hasn't for a long time. And so I, I've always that that's been a weird thing. But I, I don't think he made that move to spite the Jets. He made it because he felt in terms of the draft that this was in the best interest of the Patriots. I really think that had nothing to do with the Jets. And as it turns out, it doesn't seem like Joe Douglas was going to draft that player anyway. So uh, and I, I think the Jets, it's interesting. One, one observation at camp is just how slender will mcdonald is it's it's he i'm not saying he's not going to be a really good player in this league and hopefully he will be but man he's skinny and and so to see him standing next to carl lawson who looks like hercules now uh is uh was kind of startling but yeah the jets uh it, it, with relative health they should make the playoffs i'd feel a little bit more confident about that if the schedule was was more reasonable but I think there is a path for them definitely to, to get into the tournament and then maybe make a little noise once they're there. Yeah. Look, I, I couldn't agree more on the, on the Belichick stuff. It's like, I don't know if there's something I have with ownership. It's like, there's all these different things. You could just try to come up with some reason. And it's like, you know, we're, we're 23, 25 years later. And it's like, we're still talking about the same thing. And there's no reason to really hate the jets or anything. You've walked all over them. I think they were like 31 and eight at one point over, a, you know, almost a 40 game stretch. Um, Want to ask you two quick baseball uh, slash basketball questions. Obviously, you've done books on both. There's a there's a question posed on the Michael K show three or four days ago by a caller. Said, "Does Judge have a chance to pass Jeter um, in terms of the you know the Yankee allure?" 
I know you wrote a book on Jeter, and I know Jeter fans are very sensitive. Um, I, I was a very big A-Rod fan growing up, which I know is a, is a rare case um, until now. Is there some legitimate merit to that argument, or does it just come down to if he doesn't win championships, it doesn't matter? I know he's statistically, uh, it's kind of feels like it's going to be hard to uh, compete with Judge, but I'm sure in the Yankee fans' mind, right, it's all about the titles. Yeah, it's all about the titles, and I think that's the way all Yankees will be judged. How many rings did you win? He's not going to win five. I think we can say that with certainty, but he could win a couple. And I think fans are smart enough to say, okay, in baseball, the individual superstar has less impact on winning than a quarterback in football or a shooting guard in basketball. Like You can give LeBron the ball every time down the floor in his prime, and that's a pretty big advantage. You can't send Aaron Judge to the plate every time in the ninth inning when you need a big hit or a home run. It's not the way it works in baseball. I had that conversation with A-Rod once, Will, where we talked about, A-Rod said, you guys compare me to other great athletes and how many championships they won. This was before 2009 when he, when he won his championship with the Yankees. And he said, it's not the same thing as me being a quarterback or he said, if Barry Bonds had been a shooting guard, he'd have five or six rings, but he played baseball and you just don't have the same impact on winning as a great position player as a, as a small forward or a shooting guard in the NBA. And you know, he's right about that. So I think most fans realize in baseball, Mike Trout, a top 10 all-time player, He's done nothing in the, he's never in the playoffs. So is that his fault or is it just the nature of baseball where the individual superstar just doesn't have that much impact on, on the final result. And I think fans probably realize that, but they do want to see one or two rings. And if he gets those, then I think they'll look at, was he a better player than he's now uh, the captain. So he's, He's matched uh, Jeter there and attaining that status, but I do think he needs to win a ring or two. If he stays healthy and he plays another 10 years, he's going to rack up some incredible numbers. And honestly, I do think he could end up being a better player than Derek Jeter. That's saying a lot because I think Jeter's probably the fifth best Yankee of all time, but the size of judge to see a guy of that size playing center field at times for the Yankees, like he's done in the past. I, I've been at games where I'm looking out there and you consider the size of DiMaggio and Mickey Mantle, even Bernie Williams. These guys were, uh, compared to Aaron Judge, they were just normal-sized people. And and to see Judge out there at 6'7", 282, roaming center field rather effortlessly is an amazing thing. And so he might be the best athlete to ever play for that franchise. And He's got a chance to be one of the best players. Will he be better than Derek Jeter? Time will tell, but I think he's got a shot. Yeah, I think that's, you know, the Yankees, unfortunately, or fortunately, you got you to separate, uh, you know, kind of those pre, the pre and post, like, you know, colored TV, because obviously, uh, you know, no one's going to touch Babe Ruth's numbers and, you know, Garrig and these guys. Um, one Mets question, then one quick NBA question. Are you shocked at all? And I know there was a bunch, you know, there was a flood of articles all at the same time. Magically, we all know how that works. That you know, Steve Cohen's super patient and all this stuff, but he like wasn't super patient and you know, stocks and he was hard on his traders. But now all of a sudden, he's like not hard on people. The Mets kind of are a disaster right now, and there's you know, they're paying 111 million dollars in taxes this year for that roster and 360, 370 million dollar payroll. Are you shocked? Like nothing's happening. I know it's only June. Baseball is a marathon, not a sprint. That said this last 10 days has been God awful. And 
it's just hard for me to believe. I love Buck. I think he's an awesome manager. The proof's in the pudding. Usually if Buck leaves, your team instantly uh, takes the next step over the hump if, you know, the Yankees and the Diamondbacks. <laughs> you look back through history, are you shocked nothing's kind of happened? No shakeup? There's no, like, I mean, I guess they called up some of the young kids, but there hasn't really even been a DFA or manager or hitting coach or pitching. Nothing's, like, happened yet. How close are we to, like, something bigger happening? Because it feels like we're we're teetering here. Surprised they haven't released Vogel back. That might have happened as we're speaking here, maybe. <laughs> but if it hasn't, that to me is like a no-brainer. And you eat that money and move on. Uh, I would have been playing Vientos constantly to find out what you have there. And that seemed to make some sense to me. But I, I don't think, Will, that Buck Walter should ever be in jeopardy this season. When you think that in year one with the Mets, he won 101 games. Only twice in their entire history have the Mets won more than 100 games. Obviously, in 86 with Davey Johnson, 108 and 101 last year in Showalter's first season. To me, he has earned the full year two, no matter what happens. He deserves the benefit of the doubt that before it's too late, he can fix something. He can find a way to get this team – I think the Mets can still get that last wild card spot. I look at the Phillies last year – and where they were. Now they did fire their manager, Joe Girardi. But I, I think that without doing that, I would have some faith in Showalter that he'll figure it out and maybe get the Mets into the playoffs. And then once you're there in the playoffs as a wild card, if, you, if you're hot like the Phillies were last year, you can get to the World Series. So they're not winning the division. That's that's over with. But they can still get a wild card. And so I wouldn't do anything there. And I think really the same it's a little different with Billy Epler. He doesn't have Showalter's track record, but I wouldn't make changes with those two spots or even think about it until after the season's over. But I suspect that if the Mets hang around on the fringe of contention for that last wild card, that Steve Cohen will put pressure on Epler to make a move before the deadline and, and try to get some help in here. What they do need is Lindor to play like a, a star, if not a superstar, that's how he's being paid. And it was disappointing to see him yesterday in the ninth inning with Alonzo out. And it's your time now to really take more responsibility and lead this team as a guy with a $341 million contract to look at strike three uh, to start the ninth inning down a run. That that was disappointing. And, and he just needs to do better. You also need more from Verlander, certainly, and Scherzer. And they have an opportunity against the Yankees to, to win a couple of games against Seve and Cole. And that would be a, a good way of trying to start a turnaround that could lead to something significant for the Mets in the postseason. Yeah, look, I, I if I was going to make a change, I'd rather make a change to general manager. I know they're not going to because at the end of the day, they want Otani. Epler got Otani once. If I'm the Mets, I don't know how they would pull it off. If you could trade for him before he had to be at free agency, you should try because the Angels – we're within weeks here of the Angels randomly going on their classic 19-game losing streak with Trout and Otani in the same lineup and, uh, you know, so on and so forth. And I look, you know, Verlander and, and Rodon being these two big additions, Verlander's not been very good. And Rodon is the only time we've seen him is pitching in the smoke and, you know, whatever happened last week in a, in a batting practice. So hopefully both those guys for both teams' sakes will be their back of their baseball card pitcher before the end of the year. Last, last question here. It's an NBA question. Obviously, you know, we're – three weeks out from the, you know, uh, classic June 30, June 30th or July 1st, uh, Shams and Woj dumping about 700 things in their draft folder of moves that have been in the works for weeks. 
I'm a Nets fan. Everyone, I'm one of like the five people that liked the Nets since uh, I was a kid. The Knicks obviously had a really nice run, um, you know, and some of the guys that I think Knicks fans don't love so much ended up coming up small for them, obviously, in the Miami series, Julius Randle being one of them. The Nets kind of look like they have a pretty bright future now with the Mikhail Bridges and all these picks and they have cap space and we've been through this for before. Whose future or like, who do you expect a bigger move from this summer? Is it the Knicks maybe moving on from a Randall or trading for that star quote unquote with Brunson or is the, are the Nets going to be the team that makes a move for Damian Lillard or like, who do you kind of expect to have a bigger headline quote unquote summer, uh, you know, going into uh, going into the 2023 season? Well, it depends. Well, are the Nets going to try to hire Bob Myers? I wrote a column. Hey, I mean, look, that's that to me is I know I I, I was going to say that's the move, right? That's the that's the real chess piece. You you go make a move for Bob Myers, your future looks a little a whole lot different. Well, the Nets have tried the superstar player approach. Maybe the superstar executive approach is really what they should try to do next. And there's a guy who knows what a winner looks like and how to build one. And nothing personal against Sean Marks, but. He's had opportunities here. It hasn't worked out. And so if Myers is willing to listen and he's now effectively a free agent, then I, I don't see why you wouldn't talk to him. And so I obviously that you're not going to win a championship with Bridges as your best player. So the Nets no. are going to have to make moves to get uh, back to where they thought they were when they had Durant and Kyrie and, and Harden. Uh, I think I thought the Knicks were going to make a significant move and build a package around Julius Randle and try to get a better player in here to give Brunson and Barrett a chance to really compete for a championship. But the surgery now at Randle, even though it wasn't major surgery, that's going to complicate things as far as trying to make a move with, with him involved. And But that to me was the trade and that was the move that was going to be the biggest headline over the summer was the, the Knicks moving on from Randall, who did raise his value during the regular season. Then, of course, you had postseason questions that popped up again. But then you could say, well, it was his ankle and it wasn't a repeat of the the way he played against Atlanta a couple of years ago in the playoffs. So the Knicks have a lot of assets with their first round picks, some young, developing, interesting players in, in uh, quickly and Grimes and maybe to a lesser degree Toppin. But with the picks, and Randall's a good player. He's going to get you 20-plus and 10, and and it's not uh, all that easy to find that uh, available all the time. And so I, I, I would still say the Knicks, unless the Nets are going to hire Bob Myers, which I think might not be a, a headline grabber unless you're a real hardcore NBA fan, but would be a, a franchise changer. But I, I would still say that before the start of the season, the Knicks trying to find a way to get closer to a legitimate championship team and still trying to to make a deal for Randall. Yeah, I think both teams are in a spot where the East is very good. The East is also very wide open, as we've seen, right? Like the Bucks one year was like the post-COVID year. It's like, you know, everything, they shouldn't have never won that net series. There's, you know, are the Bucks really as good as we think they are? Giannis, we don't, like, you could go on and on Phillies because it seems like they're going to get broken up. Um, you know, Embiid stayed healthy this year. That never happens. Like, there's all these different things. The Knicks, look, you look back and they played Miami a lot better than I feel like Boston did, uh, you know, over the course of a series. You mentioned Bob Myers. I think if I was the Knicks, I would also be throwing as much money at Bob Myers as possible because he's built the only real modern day dynasty we've really seen. And, um, you know, a lot of homegrown guys, a lot of really shrewd trades, drafted well. Um, 
has a lot of respect, obviously, around the league. And though if I'm a Nets fan, which the Damian Lillard thing would be cool. That said, small point guards as they get older don't really age that well. And the Nets have kind of like I don't know that Lillard and Mikel Bridges is winning you a title. Um, it's probably means you're a second or maybe your conference final team if you get really hot. We saw it with Portland uh three years ago and they got wiped off the floor by golden state so um appreciate you obviously taking some time obviously uh once the rogers book uh you know gets written we'll uh make sure we promo that but obviously make sure you guys read Ian's work everywhere following you know socials and everything like that and uh you know hopefully we get a fun nfl season where uh both teams are good and uh that week eight matchup is more exciting nationally when both teams are uh both teams are trending in the right direction I think, Will, one thing we can count on is that the New York Jets will be the most fascinating story in the NFL this year. It's, uh, it's going to be fun to watch. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.